139. Psalm 139. I think this is a great psalm to kick off a lesson on personality types. I think you would uh, you would enjoy reading that. You could. Well, in fact, let's just read it right now. Psalm 139. Let's begin in verse one. Notice what it says. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know me when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there was a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn and if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were, writ, were, your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God? How vast is the sum of them? If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Wow, what a great reminder that you are uniquely and wonderfully made. Can we say amen to that? Yes, that's what we're going to see. So whatever you find out about your personality this morning, you are uniquely and wonderfully made in it, and God wants to use it for His glory. And so we're kicking off this series of close encounters of the real kind. Uh, this is the third time I've taught this. As I looked at, pulled out my file on this, looked over my notes, I have notes on this that are handwritten. Okay, this is how I've started studying this. I don't, I can't remember. I can't remember if it was when I, uh, before I came here in 1990, it was certainly maybe in the first couple years that I was here. And every time I, I, this has really left an impact on me and maybe it has on you. There's some of you that have heard this, some of you that haven't. I do know this, don't think that uh, pulling out an old series is the easy way to do it. In fact, no, it's painstak- it is painstakingly difficult uh, because there it sits, but here's the reality. I'm not who I used to be, and you're not who you were when you first heard it. And it actually takes more work, and I really rather despise it, to be quite honest with you. But As I was thinking about the resurrection, it's so easy to leave the resurrection on Easter and move on. And I was going to do a series on the seven real last saving, uh, last sayings of Christ. Because we always think about the sayings on the cross, but after his resurrection, he did have seven last sayings. The, the reality is when I started looking at those sayings, they're all grouped around these four resurrection appearances. And I'm like, okay. Let's just go back and let's look at those. And so we're going to take a look at that. Well, here's the question. We're going to start off, though, with what makes you 
so unique? What makes you so unique? And that's a good question. It's a question you may not want to answer out loud. It's a question you may not want the person sitting next to you to answer necessarily. But this is an this is an introduction to this series of close encounters. And my goal is to introduce you to the four basic personality types. And because we're going to see those. Jesus revealed himself to four individuals. Mary, Peter, Thomas, and the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And each time he did, he adapted himself to their unique personalities. And that's really what we're going to unfold in the weeks to come. But if you don't understand those personalities, you won't really get the the really kind of the exciting part of seeing these resurrection appearances. And so we just want to think about how we are strangely unique. Now, you might not think you're strangely unique, but just turn to your neighbor and say, do you think I'm strange at times? Yeah. What'd you say, Bill? Okay, Bill says, I don't even have to ask anybody. I think I heard Jeff say I'm strange all the time. And so, yeah, we're uniquely strange. But what makes us strange to others? Now, here's what I want you to see. What makes us strange to others is our God-given unique shape. It is our God-given unique shape which includes our personality. You see, God has, has in five ways, God has uniquely shaped you for your life and for your ministry for Him. Every believer has a God-given unique shape. And so, uh, take the word shape. This is probably the best uh, summary I've ever seen that really explains your uniqueness. And it begins with spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, which are taught in the Bible. And then the H is heart desires. Heart desires or passions, okay? Because two people can have the same spiritual gift, but they can have different heart passions and how that plays out. A is abilities, natural abilities. So spiritual gifts are given to believers but everyone is born and wonderfully made with natural abilities. The P is personality. And we're going to see there's four basic ones or 12 different blends. And the last is experiences. Experiences. And that's really special because it's your experiences that take. In fact, you could have someone... This isn't likely, but you could have someone with the same spiritual gifts, the same heart desires, the same abilities, and the same personality type, but their life experiences are going to be radically different. And what kind of life experiences? Your relational experiences, your educational experiences, your vocational, your spiritual, and most of all, what really shapes us in experiences is our painful experiences. Rarely can you tell your story and what has made you uniquely you without referring back to some of those deep valleys and painful experiences. Am I right? They shape us, right? They shape us. And so there you go. But God uses all that. And so I kind of have a diagram there. At the center of that, we're going to see, though, what really determines your destiny, what determines who you are, is your character. And that lies at the heart. And that's what we're going to... Today, we're looking at personality, but the rest of this series is going to look at your character, how God meets you as you uniquely and strangely are, and then he meets you in order to change you. So, because you looked at your neighbor and said, hey, you are strange, and maybe even confessed that uh, I, you know, that you yourself are strange, here's four simple truths for accepting ourselves and others in our strange uniqueness. So, as you look at these, these five areas... And you think about your uniqueness and you think about the person sitting next to you or across from you or uh, the, the, the little persons you're raising, uh, you know, or the weird persons you work with. Here's four things to remember. Number one, 
God made each of us strangely unique in his image. No matter what these things are, all of us are made strangely unique. There's no one who is so weird that they're not made in the image of God. And that's good news. Okay, Genesis 1, uh, 26 through 28. Number two, Christ died to redeem our strange uniqueness in his image for his kingdom purposes. There's no one so strange or so unique that Christ did not die for them. There is no one so strange, so unique that they are outside of the reach of God's love. And that's good news. Okay, so here's the deal. No matter how irritating someone may be to you, they're made in God's image. And even if they haven't accepted Christ, they Christ died to redeem them and restore them to his image. God sees value in them. And number three, this is amazing. Christ meets each of us in our strange uniqueness to conform us into his holy image. And that's really the theme of this series, is that Christ comes to us in our uniqueness. And he meets us where we are, but he doesn't leave us there. Is that good news? So he meets us as we are, he accepts us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. So whatever we learn about personalities today, that's today is not the final word on who you are. Because Christ wants to meet you in your personality and transform you into his image. And number four, here's the amazing thing, and this is the thing to keep in mind. Christ uses our, our Christ-like strangeness to showcase his diversity. The diversity of his grace, the diversity of his kingdom. The kingdom is going to be filled with strangely unique individuals that have been redeemed and conquered by Christ. Okay, so sometimes when people get on your nerves, uh, and that might be someone you've coveted together with in marriage for the rest of your life, and they get on your nerves, just realize, you know, in heaven, we're all going to be there. And we're still going to be strangely unique, but we're going to be perfect in our Christ likeness. So here's my goal this morning. I want to introduce you to just one aspect of your shape, and that is your personality type. So we're just looking at one aspect. So again, as we go over these, don't think, well, this is totally who I am. No, you have all of these other four aspects that impact that. Plus you have Christ working in your life to make you more like him. So I want to introduce you to them, to personality. I want to explain the four basic personality types and then provide a tool for you to discover and better understand your specific personality type. Now, so let's look at it. What makes you and me so strangely unique? Let's first of all define some key words. Three key words we want to define. Temperament, personality, and character, temperament, personality, and character. Your temperament is your natural bent. It's your natural bent uh, of an individual toward life. It's that inborn, those inborn traits that you don't even think about. It's, it's how you naturally react to life, okay? I mean, I don't have to think about it. It's how I'm, I, it's just my subconscious way I deal with the world around me. And we're given this at birth, but remember, this natural bent, even though it's given to us by God uniquely, we're uniquely, wonderfully made, nevertheless, because we're born sinners and choose to be sinners, that natural bent is a sinful bent as well. All right? So it's Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. By nature, we are children of wrath. We are naturally inclined to be focused on self instead of God. How many, uh, how many raised kids here? How many know that from kids, right? Did you, did you guys have lessons, like how to be sinner lessons? No. Did you get a book, How to Raise a Sinner? No, that, that just happened. You had kids, and it just happens, right? Because that natural bent is a sinful bent towards self instead of God and others, And it's a natural bent to worship anything other than God. We have a natural bent to worship anything other than God. 
But this is our temperament, our natural bent as an individual. Personality, though, is the outward expression. So temperament is the natural bent that's inside our heart, our life. The personality is the outward expression of those inborn traits viewed as a whole. So, in other words, your personality may or may not be your actual temperament. Your personality is what you show to the rest of the world. Okay? Your personality is what people see. We can't always see people's temperament, but we see and we relate to their personality. Uh, A lot of things shape our personality. Our childhood training, our physical age, our spiritual maturity, our authenticity. So there's, you know, sometimes our temperament is to present a false picture of our personality, right? Sometimes we create masks, right, in relating to fronts, defenses. And so temperament, natural bent, personality, outward expression. But the most important is character. Character is the real you. The character is the real you. It's the command center of the heart. And so your character is a combination of your temperament and your personality that has been influenced by inside things, outside things. As a believer, your character and your temperament and your personality are impacted by the Spirit of God that dwells in you, by the Word of God that confronts you and convicts you. It's the prayer to God that God transforms us, and it's interaction with the people of God. This is one of the reasons we have our small groups, is because when you get in small groups and interact with God's people, transformation takes place. And the goal here. When it comes to get, to character, the goal is a gospel-generated godliness. A gospel-generated godliness that transforms us from the inside out. So your personality can change over time. Definitely your temperament, your natural bent is transformed when you get saved. And hopefully the gospel is generating a Christ-likeness and a godliness from the inside out. So, as we're, we're going to transfer into looking at these four personality types, remember this about personality. It's not your identity, it's simply tendency. It's not your identity. So you don't say, hey, my identity is this personality type. No, your personality type is your tendency in how you respond to life, how you view life, and how people perceive you. And that is not your identity. Your identity is found in whom? In Christ. Okay? And because He meets you as you are, but doesn't leave you there, His intent is to change your tendencies and change your identity. All right, so let's describe. Uh, We define the key words. Let's describe the four basic personality types, okay? Now, there's. let me say this. There's all sorts of tools. There are professional tools. I would call professional-level tools uh, that you may have taken at a job. The DISC personality profile. How many people have heard of DISC? D-I. Raise your hand high. They're okay. Great, great. Uh, Taylor Johnson temperament analysis. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Myers-Briggs personality test. Yeah. Do you use any of these in the HR? Okay, because, you know, sometimes they make you take it on the job. Amber is going to be an RA next year, so they made her take the Myers-Briggs, you know, and she was making fun of of what I'm going to present. you. Oh, Dad, those names are, you know, she was just all... She was all big in her four letters. Like some of these identify you by four letters. So she gave me her four letters. And I said, well, good, interesting. And then I Googled what those four letters are according to this. And it came out the same. And I'm like, well, there you go. So anyway, we're not going to get into the professional level. One, they often cost money. Two, they're much more complex to understand. But feel free to take. Uh, sometimes, though, they can better uh, describe. And they are a little more accurate 
at times. But there are several popular level ones, uh, especially promoted by Christian leaders. Uh, what we're going to look at today is from Francis Lit- France, a lady by the name of Francis Litauer uh, in a book called Personality Plus. Great introduction to those. A uh, couple guys, Gary Smalley and John Trent, a couple Christian counselors, reduced them to four cuddly an- animals. But in light of my personality type, I, I cannot tolerate introducing these as four animal types. Therefore, I will not. Maybe if I was more sanguine, I would do that. I don't know. Uh, the lion, the beaver, the otter, and the retriever. Yeah, see, somebody just, yeah, somebody's like, oh, yeah, see, it's personality. It's all about, it's just funny. You cannot teach this stuff without our personalities coming out. And so, you know, if you're going to like deny, you know, hey, I don't believe in this stuff. I just need Jesus. You know, well, even that statement is going to come out based on your personality, okay? It's just the way it is. So we're going to look at Francis Litauer's combination. It comes down to cleric. Melancholy, sanguine, and phlegmatic. Obviously, those aren't as exciting as lion, beaver, otter, and retriever. But I, again, refuse to use animal categorizations for this. So, why is this so important? You might be asking now, why is this even important? Let me give you three reasons why this is important. Number one, it will help you to understand why you react the way you do. Understanding these personality types will help you understand why you react the way you do to at least four, uh, three significant ways. First of all, why you react to spe- specific people the way you do. You ever wonder, why do some people excite you and some people irritate you? Have you ever asked that question? I mean, you just, there's some people you just see coming, you're like, oh, this is going to be a party. And you, other people you see coming, and you say, man, they're going to rub me the wrong way. You know why that is? Personality. Basically, personality. Uh, you ever wondered why some people intimidate you and other people calm you? You ever wondered that? Personality. It's how you react. Why some people entertain you and other people motivate you. You know, you can interact with some people and you're just like, man... It's always, I'm always going to laugh when I'm with them. I won't be motivated to do anything, but I'll come away having laughed, and that is a good thing, right? And then there's other people, you may not laugh, but you're going to say, man, I come away from that. I am motivated to do something, to take action. So it's how you react. Uh, secondly, to certain situations. Have you ever asked yourself, why do some situations drain me and others energize me? Okay. Like I, I, my friend Jerry back there, who I've known for a long time and been to many church gatherings in homes, I can always find Jerry at a party. I go to the kitchen in the farthest corner, and there he is, and there I am, and there we have a great time, don't we, Jerry? Not saying much, just being together and, and trying to avoid being drained by this party that's going on, right? Where others are like, man, this is great. When's the next one? I am energized. And sometimes you will find certain personality types that are drained and energized by the same event. All right? Like I get energized by being around people with a sanguine, extroverted, and and they energize me and they drain me. But it's a good thing. And I leave better for it. So it's certain situations. Thirdly, how you react to your own self. Man, I wish... Uh, My parents, I wish my parents had understood this growing up. I spent a large part of my early years before I got saved thinking deeply about who I was, about the world around me, trying to understand it, trying to make sense of it, getting depressed about it, and not understanding who I was or why I had the parents I had and why they related to me the way they did. And you're like, that's a lot of thinking. Exactly. It's my personality type. And it wasn't until I came to Christ and learned some of these principles that then it's like, oh, well, that makes sense. It took the pressure off me. It kept me from expecting more of my parents than what they could give or needed to give. And and, and it just frees you up. Are you with me? Man, I wish I wish they could have. I mean, you know, that generation, you know, they were too busy winning world wars, you know, to worry about personality types. So we don't blame that. But I'm telling you as parents, it helps to understand your kids' personality types, but even more so to understand your own. 
Because how you respond to them, how you react to them, how you're even going to go about raising them in large measure has to do with your personality. I'm so thankful that I came to Christ and was able to see a biblical worldview of who I was, how he uniquely made me and how he can uniquely use me, but not just me, but how he's uniquely made each of you. And if we will accept one another in our unique strangeness and group and bond together in Christ, we can make an impact for this kingdom. Is that right? Yeah, it is. So it'll help you in how and why you understand why you react the way you do and anticipate and maybe change the way you react. Number two, it will enable you to better relate to those around you. I've already highlighted that in relation to me growing up. It will help you to relate to those you love, especially in marriage. Uh, I don't I don't think I've ever heard of anybody marrying their same personality type. Have you? No, because opposites attract before marriage and after marriage opposites attack. And so it's just good to know how to relate to the one you... Can I get a testimony from over there? Yeah, I, no, 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 no testimony. No, but it's true, right? It's true. It's true. Those things were so wonderful when we dated, and they're now so irritating. Those you raise as parents, every kid is unique. Am I right? Over here, you know, are they all the same? No, they're same. Now, see, Jerry, I could have Jerry come up and just have a whole lesson on this. Could I not? On personality types, raising kids? Because he knows. He knows. You know, as parents, some will be like more, want more like one parent than the other. And that, this can lead to favoritism, right? And, uh, and, and that's in the Bible. Just look at uh, uh, Jacob and Esau. You know, so very different personality types. One more like their father, one more like their mother, and it can create tension. Um, similar types can really conflict. So it's not just, just having the same type can cause conflict. And the different type parent has to come in and separate the parent and the child. Can I hear an, can I hear an amen? Yes, it happens that way. Uh, you have two perfectionists. You know, this needs to be perfect. Well, it's not perfect enough, and they go at it. And, and the more laid-back personality needs to say, hey, it doesn't matter in the long run. Um, as I look at our one child, it's amazing. Amber is like this, this perfect blend of us both, uh, in a lot of ways in her physical as well as in her personality makeup. And, and what a blessing and a curse as I think about that. Uh, and so I pray for her. Because she is, she is just like this, this perfect blend. And uh, the key is knowing which part of that personality you're interacting with on any, at any given time, okay? So it, it affects you as parenting. Uh, those you serve with in ministry. Why do two people on the same ministry team approach things in a different way? Those you follow in ministry or on the job. Those you lead in ministry or on the job. And those you win and build uh, for for the risen Lord. See, the whole thing about this close encounters is the risen Lord approaches four different individuals in their uniqueness and he meets them where they are to win them, but then he doesn't leave them that way. He transforms them in their personality types to be more like him and yet still remain who they are. So, number three, if this is all true, three... It will require that you do four things. And so hopefully this lesson, as well as the coming weeks to come, the weeks to come, will help you do these four things. Number one, develop an awareness of different personality types. So we're going to go through those quickly today. You'll be able to take the personality test that's on your table. Come back next week. We'll talk more. An awareness of the different personality types. Number two. That awareness should lead to an acceptance, an acceptance that people are different. Some, they're, they're strange, but you're strange to them. Three, when you have an awareness and you combine that with an acceptance, you can develop an appreciation. Man, I'm so glad everybody's not like me. You know, when we're immature, we wish everybody was like us. Immaturity says, be like me so that I can be comfortable. 
maturity says, you're not like me. That causes some tension. That causes some stress. That causes some misunderstanding. But I'm so glad we're not all alike. We grow in appreciation. And then fourthly, and this is where maturity really kicks in. We develop an approach for influencing, relating, and working with different personality types. We approach people in light of their personalities because you know what? Jesus did with these four individuals. And so that's, we should be Christ-like in that. Okay, so what are they? What are they? Well, there's four basic personality types, okay? And they're known by a descriptor that kind of highlights their number one tendency, and that's the powerful choleric, who is very powerful and and uh, extroverted and strong in their leadership. You have the perfect melancholy. Oops. That likes things analyzes, likes things precise and detailed. You have the popular sanguine. Popular, sanguine, who are extroverted and happy and people like to be around them. And then the peaceful, phlegmatic. Now, I'm not going to take you through all the... These are Greek terms for... It's just weird where these names came up with, which is why Amber doesn't like them. But... Powerful, perfect, popular, and peaceful. But they are four basic personality types. So let's take a look at them. And um, so what you have on your table is I want you, even if you've already done this before, go ahead and take it again because, again, we grow. We come, become more like Christ. Uh, I always got a kick when we took spiritual gift testing. Uh, Pastor Tyrone would take it, and he would, he would have all the gifts. Well, I think that's two reasons. One, he was a mature man in Christ, therefore... All the gifts, we're to do all the spiritual gifts. They're, they're uh, requirements for all believers. And two, in the occupation of pastor, you do all those things, okay? And so uh, you will see your personality type. So on there is the test. I would encourage you to go home, take it. And uh, the different words, the other piece of paper there that's on there defines all the different words. So if you're like, ah, what does this word mean? Again, if you're... Uh, maybe a sanguine. You don't care what the words mean. This is fun just to make up what the words mean. If you're like me, perfect melancholy, you want to know what, you can't make a decision until you know what each of those words are, okay? Uh, cleric's just going to say, I'll tell you what those words mean. They mean what I want them to mean, you know? And and uh, peaceful phlegmatic are going to say, why are we getting so stressed out about this, okay? So you see the personality types. They're all there, okay? So let's look at it. Number one, the powerful cleric. So on the next page, we're not going to read through all of that. You can obviously read that for yourself. Uh, the powerful cleric, their strengths, their fearless activists. They, they love to fix problems, not just problems, but people. Uh, they're decisive. They love a challenge. They're born leaders. Doesn't mean they qualify for leadership, but they'll try to lead if there's a leadership vacuum. And even if there's not, they organize quickly, production-oriented excel in crisis, exude confidence, and they're often right. But with all those strengths come corresponding weaknesses. Little need for friends because they're just pushing out there, leading the way. Opinionated, overconfident, can't relax because they tend to be workaholics. They expect complete devotion. After all, they know the direction they're going. You should follow them. They can be nervy, usurp authority, unemotional, arrogant, manipulate others. Hard time saying, I'm sorry. They fear losing control. If a situation is out of control, they'll step up and bring order out of chaos. Now, what's their motivation? Here's, here's the simple ways to remember these things. Number one, their motivation is, am I in charge yet? Am I in charge yet? And they like their 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 approach is let's do it my way, let's do it my way. Am I in charge? Let's do it my way. Okay, calm down back there. Calm down. Okay, am I in charge? Yeah, it's fun when you first get married. These things are fun. Uh, their motto: Do it my way now. 
That's their motto. The motto is, do it my way and do it now. Uh, their favorite song on their playlist is Frank Sinatra, I Did It. There you go, good. What's their weakness? Here's four weaknesses. They are often compulsive workers. Okay, they're often compulsive workers because they're doers. And there's always more to do. Does this make sense? Number two, they love to be in control. They love to be in control. Number three, they frequently don't know how to handle people. They're too busy charging the mountain. Yes, but people are being left behind. They need to keep up. Let's keep moving. Does that make sense? Okay. And number four, they're usually right, but unpopular. Okay. Well, you're right, but I'm tired of doing it your way. Okay. They're right, but they're unpopular, and they can end up living life alone. All right. Now, here's their heart cry, and this is what you really want to understand. Because you want to tap in to what motivates. What motivates? I think so much of what I did in my early life as a, growing up is my parents didn't understand me. And my heart cry as a Melikov is understand me. Okay? Uh, you don't even have to like me. Just understand me. Okay? And for the heart cry is appreciate me and my achievements. So the heart cry of the cleric is appreciate me and my achievements. And that doesn't mean just rolling over and doing everything their ways. And so, you know, recognize that they're born leaders and help them develop into being godly leaders. Amen? And insist on two-way communication. Don't just tell me how it is, uh, but listen to me. You need to listen to me. I appreciate you and your opinions, but listen to me. And so you have more there. Uh, As strong leaders, they need to learn to delegate and not pull everything into themselves and do everything their own way. So that's that's the powerful choleric. How many of you can identify with that? Okay, anybody? Just, just Dane. Dane's our our our, our lone clear. Okay, okay. You may, are you pointing at you or your wife? <laughs> Was it you? Like what? Don't question. Don't just see what I. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay. We'll talk about that in group today tonight. All right. I saw that. I'm sorry. I did question what I saw. All right. The powerful cleric. Okay. So let's go. Move on. Number two. The perfect melancholy. Now, I know we have a bunch of you in here. The perfect melancholies, right? All right. Here's the strengths. They work well alone because, after all, if you're going to get it done perfectly, you need you know, other people mess it up. They're planners. They're good with numbers. They like charts and graphs. They're organized. They appreciate quiet, accuracy, anal- anal- uh, an- analysis, uh, and what is fair. They like justice, and they love beauty they can be very artistic and appreciate the fine arts weaknesses easily depressed lack spontaneity naively idealistic very idealistic personality type thrifty to extremes doesn't do well under pressure excessively perfectionistic needs plenty of time and therefore hard to please all right so strengths and weaknesses that's just how life is what's their motivation here's their motivation Are things perfect yet? Not am I in charge yet. I don't need to be in charge. I just need things to be perfect. They don't say let's do it my way. They say let's do it the right way. Let's do it the right way. If yours is the right way, I'll go with that. Okay? Here's their motto. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Exactly, John. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And again, here's, here's uh, four main uh, weaknesses. One, they are often easily depressed. They are often easily depressed. After all, if you look at the world through an idealistic and perfectionistic lens, you are going to be severely disappointed 
every day. Just when you look in the mirror, okay? It's just it's 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 a hard it's a hard path through life. That's all I'm telling you. Uh, number two, commonly struggle with low self-image because again, if your understanding and standard is perfection, you're always falling short. And that can increase insecurities or a false humility. Number three, they often procrastinate because they're always trying to perfect it before they do it or wanting to make sure it's right, so they hesitate. Often procrastinate. Number four, frequently put unrealistic demands on themselves and others. Unrealistic demands on themselves or others. But what's their heart cry? Their heart cry is not appreciate me and my accomplishments. Their heart cry is understand me and my sensitivity. Understand me and my sensitivity. So you can see where, you know, like clerics and melancholies can get along real well, but they can also conflict because I can't appreciate your accomplishments because they're not perfect. Okay. And I really don't want to follow your leadership because you don't understand my sensitivities. Do you see how that's already? And we haven't even gotten to the other two, okay? And so there you go. All right, so there's all sorts of things there you can read. Let's go to number three, the popular sanguine. The popular sanguine. This is the outgoing personality. Their strengths, they love people. They make friends quickly. They don't know strangers. They're exciting. I, I, my sanguine, I got a pastor friend who is a sanguine and he, I, he will tell me stories about his life and I will be laughing, enthralled, sitting on the edge of my seat and I walk away and I'm like, he did, that was the most ordinary event he just told me, but he made it so exciting. And then I even think, you know what? I've had those same events, but they weren't nearly as exciting. One, when I experienced them too. I wouldn't even think of telling other people about them, but wow, when they tell it, it's like super exciting. Are you, can you relate to that? Yeah, they just tell, I mean, it's just like, they make everything exciting in life. Good sense of humor, uh, charms others to work, uh, creative, colorful, thrive on activity, natural sales ability. They're engaging storytellers, which I just told you a story about an engaging storyteller. Weaknesses motivated by emotions don't like schedules what fun is there in that can't say no makes excuses get bored easily loses track of time takes on too much easily distracted lacks focus talks too much okay what's their motivation uh are we having fun yet doesn't matter whether i'm in charge doesn't matter whether things are perfect are we having fun yet uh, and let's do it not my way or the right way, but let's do it the fun way. Okay, let's have fun doing it. Let's have fun do it. Their motto, their motto is look at me. And their weaknesses are, here's six of them. Number one, often talk too much. Number two, frequently are self-focused. Okay, we're all self-centered. But they have a tendency to focus on self, frequently are focused on self. Three, may have uncultivated memories. Uncultivated memories. In other words, they're so busy meeting people and experiencing people that, you know, they don't remember names. They don't rem- It's just on to the next experience. Number four, they can be, f- are often fickle and forgetful friends so when you're with them you're all the world but then they move on to the next thing they may have a tendency to not answer uh, they don't often don't answer phone calls often don't respond to texts i mean they're just too busy experiencing life number five may interrupt and answer for others may interrupt and answer for others And six, are often disorganized and can be immature. Again, we can all be immature, but they can be disorganized and immature. Uh, I have another pastor friend, uh, and some of you know him, Joe Perkins. He is a cleric sanguine or a sanguine cleric. And he came to a point in his life where he's realized, you know what? 
this focus on having fun is, is, is going to hinder me in becoming the man and the pastor God wants me to be. So he let his choleric side kick in and take charge. And now he's not nearly as much fun, but he's a very successful pastor. So that's just an example of that, okay? Here's their heart, their heart cry is this, look at me and praise me. Look at me and praise me. All right, number four, we got to keep moving. The peaceful phlegmatic. The peaceful phlegmatic. All right? Uh, you can see their strengths and weaknesses. Here's their motivation. Are we relaxed yet? Are we relaxed yet? And they don't care about doing it my way, the right way, or the fun way. Let's do it the easy way. Let's do it the easy way. Here's their motto. A hundred years from now, it won't matter. A hundred years from now. So they're very laid back. Let's not get all worked up. Let's just take it easy. Low and slow. They're like barbecue. Low and slow. Their weaknesses. Here's five. Frequently, they are not enthusiastic. They're just low key. You know, you have a tendency to say to a person like this, do you ever get excited about anything? Number two, they may resist change. They can be very strong-willed. They're very laid back, but they're very strong-willed. They're just going to, I'm going to outweigh you. I'm going to outlast you. You're all excited. You're all trying to get it right and have fun, but I'm just going to be steady, and I'm going to make it to the end. Number three, they often seem lazy, and that's due to being laid back, but they can be very hardworking and industrious. Number four, they have a quiet will of iron. A quiet will of iron. Hardest, really one of the hardest personalities to, to influence and, and lead can sometimes be a phlegmatic or they can be the most faithful and loyal follower. Number five, may appear wishy-washy. It's hard for them to sometimes make decisions. They have to learn to say yes or no. Because they can say, well, let's see. Their need, respect me and value me. Respect me and value me. So those are the four basic, basic personality types. Now, here's what I want to do. Some of you have seen this before. This is a great summary of these. Are we ready? All right. So take a look at Zach as he demonstrates all four of these personality types and enjoy uh, Jerry, if you can get, can you get the light? All right, go away, charge away. First, Zach will be a sanguine character. Jó napot kívánok! Milyen csodálatos nap van ma! Annyira örülök, hogy élek! Itt virágok vannak, kedves emberek, Örülök, hogy itt lehetek. Valaki tett a székemre egy rajszöget. Ki volt ez? Ez óriási. Ez egy nagyon jó trükk. Köszönöm szépen, hogy ennyire fellelkesedtétek a napomat. Örülök, hogy itt vagyok. Most jön a kolerikus
enjoy seeing that and I think being in another language makes it that much funnier but uh, uh, Carmen can you get the lights so okay take the test they're there on there and also there's two handouts as you leave Um, uh, where are they okay so the green one is kind of an overview of what we just went over today and it also has strengths and weaknesses for work and for the home and then the blue sheet is important because basically everybody is a combination of two blends and this will give you what is predominant and kind of what's characteristic of that and so we'll come back next week and dive into the first resurrection appearance but hopefully you will uh, know this and be able to talk about this a little bit sound good all right let's yes yes and your boys think about your boys there justina let's pray Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace to us. We thank you that in you we are victorious and you as our Father have made us wonderfully, uniquely strange and yet your Son has come and met us where we are and transformed us from the inside out. Lord, we can use our uniqueness to impact and reach people. Lord, help us to to better understand who we are, better understand who you want us to become so that we can reach more people and better serve and meet their needs. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Discover and appreciate your your uniqueness.